G'day and welcome to a Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the shows at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Just a reminder as well, the clarity of the recording isn't quite as good as when we do it in the studio. It's a bit harder for us to get the volume for each of us uh, the same. So our apologies there. But as usual, we wanted to make sure we continue with our program because it's very important for us to to keep this going and to give our um graduate students an opportunity to talk about their work, which I love to hear. And sometimes it's about their research. And of course, sometimes it's about other things that they are doing. So with that, I'd like to introduce you today to Clarissa de Leon, who is doing a PhD in education under the supervision of Dr. Rebecca Luce Kapler. Welcome back to Grad Chat, Clarissa. Thanks for having me again. I know, and I say again, um, because Clarissa has been on before talking about her research, but also talking about Queen's Reads. And it's the latter in which I wanted Clarissa to come back this time, as although we are in a pandemic, there is still lots of programming going on for Queen's Reads, which I love this program. So Clarissa, I keep saying Queen's Reads, but perhaps you can just explain quickly what is Queen's Reads? Sure, uh, happy to. So Queen's Reads, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with the program, we call it our community reading program at Queen's University. And it has a kind of a long history, but was recently revamped in 2017 to have more of an equity, diversity and inclusion sort of focus. And, and basically what we do is every year a book selection committee gets together and we choose a book that has a theme related to equity in it and that we think would really benefit our Queen's University community. And we we provide free copies to everyone um, at the university. So if you don't have a copy, you are able to pick one up or download it in this case this year. And, and then we build programming around the book, around the themes of the book. And if you haven't heard already, the Queen's Reads book for this year is a play called Other Side of the Game by Amanda Paris. Thanks for that. So what made you want to be a part of the selection committee of Queen's Reads? And as a PhD student, how does your PhD work connect with what you are doing for Queen's Reads? So I became involved in Queen's Reads back in, I think, 2017, when our book for the year was Scarborough by Catherine Hernandez. And right. um, I actually discovered that book before I even knew it was the, the book of the year for that year. And um, I became involved just because I was really interested in the novel and um through various connections in the university, I got connected with the st student experience office and they've started inviting me to do events, to speak on panels. And then after that point, I was invited to be on the book selection committee, which I was very interested to be part of because, you know, as we sort of mentioned before, what, what I research at the faculty of education is, has, is, has to do with, you know, 
books and reading experiences and what these reading experiences mean to us. And so it felt like a really natural fit that I would sort of lend my insights and my expertise into a program like this. So that's how I sort of came to be part of the book selection committee. And sorry, with the second part of your question was, how is this connected to my PhD research? Yes, yes. Yeah. So so I'm uh you know, I'm I'm not going to assume that everyone went back and listened to my first episode, although I would be incredibly flattered if if you have. Um <laughs> but I'm I'm happy to do a quick recap about what it is I actually do research on. So um, Yes, that, that would probably help a lot. Yeah, so I'm I'm at the Faculty of Education. I'm I'm broadly in a field called curriculum theorizing. Um but specifically what I research are or something or is something that I call literary experiences and literacy pedagogies. And literary experiences are basically just the experiences that we have when we, you know, engage with text, when we read books, when we watch movies, when we listen to songs, those sort of interpretive experiences when we have, when we wonder about what does this mean? What does this book mean? Or how am I understanding or analyzing this text? And, Mm -hmm. you know, by connection, I look at, you know, how do we teach in a way that um, allows people to have deep and meaningful sort of connections to books and, and really create those moments for connection and introspection and reflection. And specifically, my research looks at, you know, how can we use these literary experiences to sort of help folks better understand their cultural identities. And specifically, I'm looking at the Filipinx Canadian uh, community because I am Filipina Canadian. Um, right. And And so, you know, something I didn't get at during my first grad chat, because I spent a lot of time sort of talking about what does it mean to have a cultural identity and what what role does book books play in that. But but the second piece of that is that because I'm looking at a marginalized community in Canada, is books are also an access point to talk about really difficult subjects like racism, mm-hmm. like power right. and oppression, and and those really sort of hard sort of lived experiences that that racialized folks have and other marginalized folks have. And and so for me, it's been really interesting growing into this role at Queen's Reads because it feels like a very natural progression from my research to the actual practice of what does this research look like? Because what I'm trying to do in Queen's Reads is use this book, use these books to engage our students and our community members in very difficult conversations related to equity, diversity, and inclusion. Right. So so it's it's interesting for me because I have my research, which is sort of like looking at these, these big questions about like, how do we do this? And what kind of experiences do we have when we read books and look at text? And then I have this opportunity to sort of experiment and and say like, okay, so now what's the teaching in this? Like, how, how do we do right. this in practice? So it's been a very interesting journey for me so far because I'm, I'm new to this role as well. Um, Actually, I'm not sure if we said that yet. Uh, so I'm actually the the coordinator for Queen's Reads this year. So it's been an interesting opportunity to build off of my research in a very practical way. Well, it's, that's fantastic because it is a natural fit for you. And what better person to, to run this program than you because of your background? So I, I just think it was fantastic, this great fit that you've got here. I feel very lucky um, that I've had the opportunity to speak so openly about my research with people outside of education and outside of mm-hmm. the faculty of education, because 
it's the, my my ideas and the ways that I've been approaching education and approaching my research have resonated in other areas like the student experience office, like the division of student right. affairs. And um, it's been a really exciting experience for me to to show sort of like the meat of why my research matters, you know? Yes, which is, which is very, very important. Now, going on to this year. So in the past, Queen's Reads has chosen a novel. But this year, of course, as you mentioned, the book is by Amanda Paris called other side of the game but it is in fact a play Mm -hmm. so why did the committee choose a play this year that's a great question because you know traditionally when we think of like when we hear the words communal reading program we always sort of assume like oh it's going to be a novel it's going to be a work of Mm -hmm. fiction or it's 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 gonna it's gonna be something that we traditionally think of when we hear the word book but like my research I I sort of resist as as often as I can to say the word book when I'm talking about literary experiences because literary experiences really have to do with any kind of time when we do something interpretive with a text and a text can be a movie like I said it can be a song or it could be a play and what's what's most important is the fact that when we engage with this text there's an act of interpretation there where we're wondering okay so what does this mean you know what does this symbol mean what does this dialogue mean what does this character when they say this like what's the bigger implication of that and what does it mean to me and so I was really glad that we were able to choose a play because it really opens people up to sort of broaden their understanding of the ways in which sort of literary experiences come into our lives. And that doesn't have to be what we traditionally think of, which is usually just sitting down with a novel. So mm-hmm. so I'm not sure if that's the reason why we chose a play. I honestly think that we read it and we just thought we have to include this story. And I think that reframing this program to not just be about books, but to be about stories is going to be really important for how we understand the purpose of the program moving forward. So at the end of the day, the play was chosen because it, it was too important of a story to pass up this year. I'm actually going to skip one question. I want to go straight to this one with, you know, with EDII or you know, Equity, Diversity, Inclusion and Indigeneity on everyone's minds right now, it was interesting to read the introduction of the book, which talks about how easy it is to forget what came before and forget certain groups of people, you know, never ask about their stories and their role in society. And it looks at black activism and the women who support those men that have been incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So to help people a little bit about the play, can you tell me the themes around why this play was chosen, um, which was actually chosen before Black Lives Matter came to the fore this past summer. Yeah. So I have been on the book selection committee for, so this was my second year on the committee. And we had have been wanting to use Queen's Reads for a while now to talk about anti-Black racism at Queen's. One of the finalists for last year's books was a book that was looking at anti-Black racism as well. And and it's always a tough choice because you're choosing between important stories and important voices and important books. And then it, it's almost like it's, it's a win-win and a lose-lose situation all the time because we can mm-hmm. only choose one. But what I think is really important to highlight is that on the book selection committee, there there were Black folks who really strongly advocated for this story and really strongly advocated for the need of a story that looked at anti-Black racism in 
in like thematically, but then also using it as a way to talk about anti-Black racism at Queens because of things that they've experienced, things that they have been hearing their peers say and things things that they've been seeing for in a, in a very sort of personal way because they are Black. And I think that the reason why it was chosen is is because they had to take the very unfortunate role of very strongly advocating for themselves right. and the rest of the Black community at Queens, which, you know, is is never a fair position for a marginalized person to be in. But I'm really glad that we created space to pursue this story this year because, you know, something that 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 we can forget about Black Lives Matters is that it's part of a larger civil rights movement that has been happening for years and years and years and years, for decades. Yes. And 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 so, you know, it it's almost like it was about time that we used our position on Queens Reads to to give space to black folks, to give space to these conversations about anti-blackness, because even beyond this summer, the issues of anti-blackness in our community and globally have existed for a long time. And and so I'm really glad that we can use this opportunity to to, you know, in a very focused way, think about, you know, what's the history of anti-blackness and and how does right. it come like how does that history contribute to the circumstances that we're in right now which i think the play does really well in terms of you know not only focusing on present day stories but you know stories that happened in the 70s right yeah so so that's sort of a little bit why we like why we just decided to pursue this story this year is is because it was just a matter of time it felt like a matter of time and if it's like it was a need that that we even saw last year but um, like I said, we can only choose one book a year. And, and so this yes. year we decided that, the, that, that it was time, basically. So can you tell us some of the, the characters in the play without giving the whole plot away, I guess? Can mm. you tell me about some of the characters and, or even which one was your favorite and why? So I I always love these kinds of questions about which characters seem to resonate with me because my initial responses are always ones that that even surprised me. And I always go with my right. gut response. And my gut, my gut is telling me that the character I connect with the most is this, this young girl, her name's Beverly, and she's, she's right. uh, 22 years old, and she's from Nova Scotia. And she recently moves from Nova Scotia to Toronto, and is looking for the opportunity to be part of the Black activist community in Toronto, part of the movement in the 70s that happened and is still happening in Toronto, but specifically during the 70s, that's when her story takes place. And and when you first asked me this question, I was kind of surprised that that I gravitated to so much towards Beverly because um, right. the reason isn't so apparent, but I think it's because she is this young person who's trying to find her way into activism, who sees right. something, you know, who's unsettled by the way things are, by by white supremacy, by anti-Black racism, and is implicated in a, in, a, in a very specific way as a Black woman, wants to know how to contribute to change, but doesn't come ready as a seasoned activist and doesn't always... Right have all the background knowledge, doesn't have all the theory, all the academic mm -hmm. experience, or even just the experience with activism and community organizing. And that's kind of the position that I find myself in right now is, is I have been a teacher for so long, and I have loved my career as a teacher. And I still think of myself as a teacher. But lately, I've been trying to imagine myself as 
using my teaching as a way of, of activism? Like, what does it mean for right. teachers to be mm-hmm. activists? And I feel so new to it all. And that there's there's a, a few really interesting moments where Beverly is being grilled by another character in the play about what she knows and what she doesn't know about right. um, about activism about about um, racism and about community organizing and she admits that you know I've done some reading not all the reading but I want to learn and I want to participate yeah. and that's what I feel like right now is that I don't feel like I'm an expert but I don't want that to stop me from doing what I can to do some good in the world and so so she's my favorite character probably because uh, like there's something about that newness she's got that, growth she, yeah, yeah she's growing she's developing mm-hmm, absolutely and it's interesting too when you use the word activist sometimes people see that as a negative connotation where it's it can be so much more and and i think that maybe one of the reasons why we associate negative like negative feelings with activism is because it it is necessarily disruptive activists see something wrong with the system in which we do things the the sort of hierarchical and systemically oppressive ways in which we do things and says we need we need to disrupt that and that feels really yep. disobedient because it is and that's really uncomfortable but my mm-hmm. what i sort of go back to in my activism is you know that discomfort is actually a really good sign because it says that we are hoping for something better that we are imagining a better future and we're not we're not just um, settled with the or happy with the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Which wanting to move away from we that. Need to rock, sometimes we need to rock the boat a little bit to mm-hmm. make change. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And and this play explores that in very important ways, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I understand, though, that you've been working with student activists. Mm-hmm. Has that helped you with the programming for this year? And, and if so, how? It's, it's been, it's probably been one of the biggest gifts of this year of me going through this process of being in the coordinator role is the opportunity it's given me to connect in really collaborative and meaningful ways with some student activists. I, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a graduate student at the faculty of ed for a very long time, I was sort of, you know, very content to stay within the little circle we have in the Faculty of Education. And it's a very beautiful community. I love being part of that community. But this year, I've really branched out and I've started to learn more about what undergrad students are doing, what student activists are doing outside of the Faculty of Education. And it's been so wonderful because I think that any, all all the programming that's come out this year is to the credit of the Black student leaders that were on the programming committee. And um, I'm also working with a really wonderful white ally student activist named Jenna, who is working out of the student experience office, who has been immensely helpful as well. And they are involved in Levana. And and I've, I've enjoyed every sort of opportunity I've had to work with student activists because, you know, in teaching the way that I sort of frame it as like, you know, this is student centered curriculum. I went straight to the students and I said, what well, what would you most like to see in a program like this? You know, if this mm-hmm. is a play that looks at the experiences of black folks, I think that it's really important that we go straight to the students, the black students and say, given your experiences in university and outside of university and just as a black individual, we have an opportunity to have a really meaningful curriculum this year through Queens Reads. What do you want to see? And they've been so gracious with me and they've been so generous with me in giving and, you know, talking about ideas and, and telling me what they would like to see. And it's been wonderful. We, I, I have been tailoring 
this year's programming to speak specifically to the some of the needs that they named. And, and I'm hoping that the result of that is, is at the end of the year, Black students feel empowered through this programming. And it's something that I'm, I'm aiming for. And, and I'm very happy for Black students to hold me accountable throughout this process as well, which is is labor that I understand is very difficult for them to take on, which is why right. I, I operate with like the highest level of gratitude for the time they've given me. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not easy for, for those who are living it to always have to be called upon to um, explain how they're feeling all the time mm-hmm. and, and what, what is needed. So that's great that you're doing that. So I guess the important thing right now is what programming do you have planned for this year and how can the community actually join in? So thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about our programming because I am I am so excited about it. And I think it's like a bit of serendipity that you mentioned that opening from that Amanda Paris wrote about. Um, sorry, I'm just going to remind myself about the the histories that we forget and the the, yes. the people that we, we don't always see because the next major event that we have coming up at the end of October is a teach-in about remembering Blackness and anti-Blackness at Queens. And the programming committee, which again uh, was composed of student uh, Black student leaders, they really, really expressed interest in doing some kind of teaching that looked at the history of Blackness and anti-Blackness at Queens because they found that their peers actually didn't know a lot about, um, you know, Queen's history and and a lot right. of important names like Robert Sutherland, Alfie Pierce ab- about you know the exclusion of Black students from our medical school. They found that their non-Black mm-hmm. peers, a lot of them, didn't know about that, and so they were really hoping for an opportunity in which we could look at anti-Blackness and Blackness within our own community and not just globally. And so you know the the concept behind this teaching is is looking at what does it mean to remember things critically, black, both Blackness and anti-Blackness. What does it mean to look at it critically and remember it with a more critical eye? And um, I have um, a couple of PhD candidates. I have um, Edward Thomas, who will be coming in to talk about his research on... Yes on uh, the exclusion of black students from medical school. I, I have a recent graduate, um, uh, Benicia Samuels, who will be coming to talk in about uh, coming to talk about Robert Sutherland and um, Celia Romulus, who is a PhD cam- candidate yes. um, uh, in political studies. Uh, her and perhaps me, perhaps someone else are going to be talking about something called epistemologies of ignorance and perhaps connecting that to the way in which we... Um, uh, remember Alfie Pierce. I've given the speakers lots of space to sort of handle the topic in which they 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 want to and they they feel right. is the most important. And so there's still like going to be lots. You know, I don't want to sort of simplify it with my summary because because it's going to be a pretty rich conversation, I think. But mm-hmm. basically, what I would like people to walk away from that thinking about is, you know, how have we been taught history? What have we forgotten? What have have institutions forgotten? And what does it mean to remember things critically? And how does that contribute to racism that we experience or that we see every day in the present day? So it it connects to the play in an interesting way because the play does have this, this, this double timeline of a story taking place in the present day and a story taking place in the 70s. And I think that Amanda Paris is playing with that idea of like, who do we remember? Who do we not remember? How do we remember things? And so I'd like to give our community the chance to do that um, 
in terms of our history, our, our queen's history. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's October 23rd at 5.30. At 5.30. And where can people find out about this? And you know, where on, which website do they go to? So, to be able to, because I'm assuming it will be something like a Zoom session. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be doing a Zoom webinar and it's going to be as interactive as possible through. Which is um, great. Yeah. So either through the chat and we're looking at other platforms we can do interactive stuff with. But um, all events are on the Student Experience Office um, website. I have a Queen's Reads webpage on the SEO website just just for all of our events. Um, we also right. have a Facebook event that I'm going to be, you know, by the time this airs, that Facebook event will be live with the registration link. And through that registration link, we'll, we'll be posting the webinar link. And, and, and yeah, so, so I would say the best place to go for any updates about Queen's Reads would be the Student Experience Office website. That, that's good to know. And we can sort of put that on our website too, to link to that. Mm-hmm. And also in, in, you know, our various newsletters and, and, our event sections of various websites so we get more and more people involved and I'm assuming with that too with that that one particular programming there will be a lot of reference back to the play itself as opposed to the the topic itself that you bring forward yeah so I I can't believe I forgot to mention this but we actually are going to have a scene study performed by a Queen's student theater group called Yikes and so that's going to be our opening they've chosen two scenes from Fantastic from the play and they're going to do a scene study on it and I'm very very excited that we're actually going to get to incorporate some theatrical arts into um our programming this year and 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 yeah but you know my approach to the programming this year is with the hope that people pick up the book to read it afterwards. I'm, I'm None of the programming, reading the book ahead of time is not a requirement to attend any of the programming. You just right. have to show up and ready to learn. And so if you haven't read the play, you are still absolutely welcome to show up. We are designing the programming so it's accessible no matter how much or how little you've read. And actually, it was interesting. That was one of the the questions I had here, you know, what do you hope people get from not only reading the play, but participating in the program? Mm-hmm. I think my hope in doing my kind of research, my kind of teaching, and I guess my kind of activism is that people leave ready to show up as allies. Um, and I guess I'm speaking to non-Black POC and white white allies at this point. They leave ready with a plan to show up in concrete ways for Black folks. So that's my hope for non-Black folks, uh, like what I would like for them to get out of the play and get out of the programming is that they leave understanding that they have more to learn, that the, right. that this learning is continuous and that it's forever and 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 commitment to allyship is, is never just a one-stop kind of deal. It uh, has to be forever. And, you know, also ready to show up in very concrete specific ways and and not just sort of vague verbal ways like what are we actually going to do and so that's one of my hopes from the programming and and my hopes for the black folks that that show up to the programming is that they leave feeling hopeful that they leave feeling empowered because really the the core target audience for my programming this year are the black students and black community members of our of our community this is an opportunity for in a really focused way to talk about their lived experiences and talk about why they matter really so i i have a couple of hopes but at the end of it is i you know i just want people to leave feeling hopeful and ready for change it's it's interesting how fate happens isn't it mm-hmm. because like i said we this this play was chosen before 
the resurgence, I should say, because, you know, Black Lives Matters and some of the activist sort of groups that have been going on, it's been going on for a long time. So this was really, like I said, it was fate that we chose this play for us to bring forward this, in this particular year when there's so much going on. So I, I do hope that people do pick up the play. Mm-hmm. And have a read and and go to some of the programming that you've put forward this year. And I think it's fantastic that they've got you as the program coordinator, particularly with your educational, well, not just with your educational background, but even the, the research that you've been doing. It really ties in nicely. I, I feel very, very, very fortunate that, that, you know, folks saw something in me and wanted me to be a, you know, a leader in this aspect. And, and through my leadership, what I hope to do is create other opportunities for people who don't typically have their voices heard. And so, you know, what I'm hoping is that through my position, I create more opportunities for Black students to have platforms to talk about their experiences and and right. and you know I do I do think that there is an element of serendipity that that we chose a play that was so well timed for conversations we need to be having yes. on campus this year. But I also think that we chose it because there were two specific Black members on our book selection committee who advocated really really strongly for it, and I want mm-hmm. to make sure that you know. I I recognize that, and and you know just you know specifically to mention them, um, you know. Uh, Mofi Badmos, who yes. who is a the diversity and inclusion coordinator at Smith School, she what has been advocating that we choose a book for, on anti-black racism for a while now. And Benicia yes. Samuels, who is going to be speaking at the teach-in, also made a very very strong case. And so I don't I don't want to undercut the labor that they took on in this role at, at all because I feel like we have a lot to be grateful towards them for because they they advocated for it strongly and I supported them. And and I just I think that we are so lucky that Amanda Paris chose to write this play and that we have it yes. in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was very very timely, and and you're right. It's great that we've had that support from from the students. So before I finish, I just want to talk to you a little bit more about what else you're doing because you've you got yourself quite involved in lots of things, and and one of them is you know you're continuing some equity work around campus, and I understand it like the social healing and reconciliatory education research group. Yeah, yeah. And also, you're volunteering for Roots and Wings, which is a Kingston organisation. So, can you tell us just a little bit about both of those things before we finish? Sure. Um. Again, thank you for for giving me the opportunity to talk about both of those things because they they're very very close to my heart. So I, I can start with the social healing and reconciliatory education research group. That is a research group that's based in the faculty of education, but we have members who are outside of education as well and are also part of right. other institutions. We have a member who is in the University of Saskatchewan, and we have another member who's part of the University of Guelph. And basically, we're we're a group that all of us do social justice work. Um, some of us are researchers, some of us are community organizers, and some of us are students. And it's an opportunity to talk about like, what does it actually mean to practice social justice work? And and what are some of the more complicated aspects of it? And how do we do it and move forward in a way that builds bridges and move move forward in a good way and try to do this uh, in a way that's accountable to multiple stakeholders? And recently, we organized a write-in um, 
sort of addressing the denaming of Sir John A. Macdonald Hall. And we, we work on a bunch of initiatives at the Faculty of Education for making that space more inclusive. And, and really, it's, it's become a family and, and it's become a really important model for me for how I want to do activism in a way that's really right. family oriented, in a way that forefronts hope and love and joy and, and togetherness. And I feel very fortunate, Dr. Lindsay Morcom, Dr. Alana Butler, mm-hmm. Dr. Tashika Pillay, they've all are very important leaders in that group. Doc, Dr. Heather McGregor as well, I should mention, Dr. Jennifer Davis and our, <laughs> and our elder, Deb St. Amon. I, I do want to mention them because they've been very important role models for me about how to move forward in activism in a good way. And right. um, so so that's, if, if anyone's interested, we, we have a webpage on the faculty of education website and you can always contact me if you have questions we again we're not just exclusive to education people we would love to have other social justice scholars involved in our group right and roots and wings is a organization in kingston we do social justice workshops for bipoc youth um, specifically bipoc girls trans and non-binary youth right and uh, it's been wonderful. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a group of primarily queen students, and we we do workshops every other week to talk about some of these topics with kids ages eight to fourteen in a way that's accessible for them and is empowering for them. Right. And and it's it's wonderful. It's it's such exciting work to to not only work with students, but to work in a way that contributes to a younger generation. So I'm, I'm very happy to be part of both of those initiatives. Well, you clearly have shown your passion for <laughs> the social work and, and activism. And so you, you, you're a perfect person for both finishing your research for these particular um, groups that you're working with, as well as Queen's Read. So I think we're very fortunate to have your passion here, Clarissa. That's very kind. Thank you, Colette. And and also <laughs> I and and also through Queen's Reads, I've I've gone to work with folks like you. So I'm just grateful all around. It's it's well, lovely. It, it does help, doesn't it? I mean, we, <laughs> we've all got to start talking with each other a little bit more. And it's amazing what we can find out with from each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's wonderful. So, uh, Clarissa, we're going to have to call it quits there, as I say every single week. <laughs> but good luck with the rest, because I know you've got to finish your research yourself and with the programming this year, which is going to be very, very important in the, in the climate that we have right now, that we all have a better understanding to help us move forward. So I really do appreciate you coming on and talking about Queen's Reads. And we'll put those um, dates and, and links up on our website. So people, if people want to see a little bit more of that, they know where they can go. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for supporting the program. I really appreciate it. And I hope I see folks um, at our teaching. And I hope I hope you can make it, yes. Colette. I would love to see you there. Yes, I've just put the date down. So because <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm like, if I don't put it down straight away, I'm going to forget. But <laughs> this is too important for, to forget. And it's also nice to know that so many of our students are, are a part of it. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you for bringing the students in as well as part of this programming. Thank you. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of grad sadly comes to an end don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either itunes google podcast or stitcher just type in a grad chat until next week this is cj the dj signing off with a big hooray
Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. 